uh, before we were all set up, I was I had the microphone out, and Grayson runs in, and he goes, "Daddy, I was talking by the microphone, and I could see it was lighting up. It recorded me." <laughs> Like, yes, honey, it recorded you. <laughs> Welcome back to Dad's Meat World. It's your weekly deep dive into that seminal 90s sitcom of Boy Meets World, where Corey gets into shenanigans, hijinks, and other tomfoolery explored by two dads. This week, I am dad number one, Brett, joined by dad number two, Tyler. And currently, at this very moment, dad number two, Tyler, has a guest on the microphone. Want to say hi? (laughs) Say hi. You want to talk? This is not really good uh, podcasting sound, so either talk. This is fantastic podcasting there, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tyler, it looks like Henry's a little podcast shy tonight. Yeah. We, uh, (laughs) we're dealing with the teething and someone's struggling to poop. So, you know, just those good old days. Yeah, I remember them. Uh, I I don't miss those parts of it. <laughs> Other than that, how are things going over in Tylerland? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Just waiting for our shark shirts to still arrive as of right now. Well, <laughs> half of our shark shirts have arrived. The other half, uh, due to Memorial Day, got delayed. So, but it's both me and Grayson. So we're both just like, I want a shirt. <laughs> Um, But yeah, uh, Sarah got hers And this looks really nice It's green And Henry got his It's nice and that deep royal blue So it looks spectacular Got a sticker and magnet So we're really excited And also very appreciative to everybody Who decided to buy a shirt So we're we're moving merch That's right. And these shark shirts, of course, were for a great cause. All of the proceeds are being donated to Emma's Footprints. Once everything clears, we'll make the uh, deposit over that way. So thank you, everyone, who did purchase a shark shirt for that good cause. I'm waiting for my own shark shirt and uh, magnet as well. I, uh, I haven't checked my mail today. The magnet might be here. That was shipped separately. <laughs> yeah. I said the magnet came super fast. Yeah, they print those pretty quickly, but uh, the shirts are printed somewhere else. I, I, That's mine, fair. I, I'm looking right now live. Yeah, live. Uh, as you listen, <laughs> good looking people. <laughs> as we're recording, my shirt is. Uh, uh, it came from El Paso, Texas. It's still ah, en route. <laughs> that's the one. That's where mine was coming from. El Paso. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah. Other than uh, teething and waiting on shark shirts and and uh, seeing all the modeling, anything exciting happening these days? Well, just to have Memorial Day, so just hanging out with the fam mostly. Uh, birthday for Oliver was nice, and. 
just getting to spend a good amount of time together. So, oh, hand off my cunny. What about you, Brett? Anything <laughs> exciting going on? Well, uh, I, I did get to take in a uh, baseball game with my brother and my dad up in Cleveland over Very the nice. weekend. Uh, well, you know, the experience was nice. The game itself was a wash. Um, it was the first of... <laughs> I don't know if it was the first game or the second game of a series of interleague play, but uh, we uh, it, it was a game that went into extra innings. It was tied after the third inning at one run apiece. Ouch. And they lost by one run uh. after 10 innings. And it was... There was one inning of excitement. <laughs> I've was, seen... Was there at least, like, more than just... <laughs> Three point or three runs scored the whole game, or was there at least a little bit extra? Or oh no no, it, it ended two to one. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you like, what, uh, good looking people. I've I've watched a lot of baseball at all levels. I've coached softball. This was a rough game to watch, and you know I I enjoyed it because I was there. My dad, and my brother. We don't get to do a lot of stuff like that together. My brother has uh, he does a season ticket package every year and. Uh, he'll take uh, you know my family and our kids and my sister and her kids, my other sister and her kids up. We'll all pick a game and we'll go different times. But uh, you know, it's just one of those games where <laughs> the the it was the Guardians and the Cardinals. The Cardinals got a, a a single home run in the second inning, and the Guardians they had like eight hits, but they couldn't get past second and third base, and just. They, we, we had a pitcher swap for the Guardians in the seventh inning or so, and they immediately loaded the bases on three walks, and they changed pitchers, and he pitched a, way out of the jam without a run, and they did nothing with it. I'm like, it, it was you know, a rough game. <laughs> you know, this is going to be my complaints as, as for Car what Cardinals baseball is, and sorry to all Cardinals fans out there, but... Your team is designed one year to be just a home run hitting machine, or it's simply designed to have like no run scored on them at all. And I give you credit for having great defense consistently throughout the years, even if your offense isn't that great. But gosh, every game I've watched with the Cardinals in it is so flipping boring. This this was this is true. It was a very boring game to watch. It was fun to be and our <laughs> we had one guy. And I'll I'll say this and then I'll be done with uh, sports talk with the dads. We had one guy who was desperately trying to get the wave started and he just could not get it to move past our section. And he was trying so hard to get us to participate in the wave, but he it wasn't us he needed to talk to. We were doing the wave. It was the next section over and the one beyond it that wouldn't do it. It's the first time I've sat in the stadium and not seen the wave go all the way around. <laughs> that's fair. Very, very fair. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's well, been sports uh, I mean, talk with the dads. Honestly, for all the good-looking people, we have not talked at all about baseball in weeks because Corey's we no longer not. interested in baseball. He's not interested in sports at all this year. So That's right. Although good-looking people, I'll be going to – I'll take in another game later this summer up uh, with my brother and the rest of my family. Uh, we'll be seeing the Guardians and the Brewers. So maybe it'll be a better game and I'll have a, a better outlook on that one. <laughs> 
Yeah. I think actually on Grayson's birthday, they're playing the Phillies, if I remember correctly. Oh, I'll have a Philadelphia connection there. But Tyler has cracked open the hashtag not yet a sponsor Dr. Pepper can. So I believe that means it's time to transition into the actual episode. What do you say, Tyler? Oh, it's Coca-Cola tonight. I say, I I Coca think we should. (laughs) That was horrible. (laughs) You don't come here for the good puns. You come for the bad ones. That's right. Well, tonight we're going to look at the 16th episode of season two, Danger Boy. I think this may be the last time. And Corey doesn't even. Does he say that in this episode? I don't remember. I've watched it like three times. They say danger a lot, but I don't know if he says danger boy. I don't think he says danger boy. Yeah. I've watched it like three times this week and I don't remember saying it. But uh, yeah, this may be the last time there's a reference to something boy. Uh, But anyway. Danger boy. Corey and Mr. Feeney are fed up with being considered safe and boring. So they decide to ride a dangerous roller coaster as a way to prove themselves. Now, this episode was written by Glenn Merzer, directed by David Trainer, originally aired February 3rd, 1995, and currently enjoys an 8.0 rating on IMDb. Now, with our favorite... Nielsen rating. I got to give us a real fun title besides uh, Tyler plays guess the numbers. Vast emotional damage. (laughs) Our favorite new game show. Vast emotional damage. (laughs) That works actually really well. (laughs) Tyler, our previous episode enjoyed a Nielsen rating of 20.9 million viewers tuning in. Where do you think Danger Boy ranks? I mean, this is a good episode, but I fear this is one of those where they had like a random dip out of nowhere just because. So you said was 21 last time? 20.9, 20.9, just under 20. 20.9. Yeah. Let's go with 17.9. Hmm. You are far less kind than reality. is 19.6. Okay. Yeah. But there was a slight, slight dip. You are correct. Yes. So uh, let's dive right into it. We're going to start out with uh, the Matthews living room. Eric must have gotten his grades up since last week because he is studying with a new girl who we can kind of assume is a new girlfriend. There, I, Would you really call this studying, Brett? Because this doesn't look like studying uh, for a second. Well, it depends on what you're studying. <laughs> Not the legislative branch, I'll tell you that much. No, no. If they're, if that's what they're going to put for the uh, legislative branch being responsible for kissing the area between the nose and the chin, uh, they would fail that test. Uh, but this girl is Kim, played by Heidi Lucas. First and only time we'll see her on Boy Meets World. Once again, the curse of dating Eric. 14 acting credits on her resume. You might have seen her in Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, The New Class, the Wayans Brothers, Hypernauts, and others, has not been seen on screen since 1997. Uh, but uh, let's let's listen in a little bit. They they do a little. Eric, to Eric's credit, he does try a little bit to direct them to a little studying. But uh, let's listen a little bit to how well that goes. There'll be plenty of time for that, and much more on the weekend. How about right here, Saturday? 
Oh, wish I could, but my cousin's in from out of town, and I have to hang with her all weekend. I understand. Ditch her. She's 13 years old. Ditch her at the zoo. I can't get out of it, Eric. Okay, well, tell you what, how about if we double? Just so happens I have a 13-year-old brother who's currently available. Mmm, what's your brother like? Corey's 13, what do you need? Well, Corey's from Manhattan, and she's very mature for her age. Oh, and you're gonna love Corey? You would not believe how mature he is. <laughs> hey, guys, look at me, I'm a fountain. So, real quick, I want to make one, one very simple point. Okay. First of all, Eric becomes... Uh, a member of the government later on in life. So I hope he figures out what the legislative <laughs> branch is because he will be a part of it. Yeah. Second, and I think the bigger thing is that like Eric doesn't have a full grasp of what it means to be the, the age that Corey is at any point. Like last year, he kept referring to him and his classmates as babies. And this year's like, oh, leave him at the zoo. You know, they're like little kids. And it's like, this the show can't have it both ways. Either they are teenagers and they're fully into the all of the things that are about teenager life of, you know, being in seven minutes in heaven and all that jazz, or they're babies. Like, stop trying to make it like Eric just trying to put <laughs> down his brother just to put his brother down. Yeah, uh, but... A little bit of episodes got an episode. I got it. Big Brother has a big brother. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. There's another shirt. Big Brother's got a big brother. Uh, that could go a few different ways. Ooh. I just thought, I thought of yesterday of a really cool shirt idea for next year. We'll talk about it later, but. Okay. Remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric's, Eric, we'll, we'll call this Eric looking at Corey as a fetus because he's not quite a baby, can walk on his own, but he's definitely not on Eric's level. How about that? Mm-hmm. Corey's a fetus, and Corey does not dispute that notion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'll, uh. this is gonna get into like uh, uh, let's just get into my soapbox right away, Brett, because I'm sure you're gonna play the whole look at me, I'm a fountain, and that brings me nothing but joy. And I do have a story about that, but let's just address the elephant in the room for this episode. <laughs> at this point in the episode, Corey is just being himself in his home. And there just happens to be a cute girl there that apparently he's never met before. And somehow this girl is not aware that Eric has a little brother and yada, yada, even though mm -hmm. it's very clear people know who Corey is. But anywho, let's ignore that for a moment. The fact is, is that Eric at any point in the time from this point until when he actually goes on the date to just say to his brother who they share a room. So at any point, you just go, hey, buddy. I said, I want to tell you something. You're not going to like it, but I'm going on a double date and I'm going to take Sean with me instead of you. I wanted to take you, but after the whole fountain thing, she didn't want you to be the one to go. That's all he had to do. Mm -hmm. And Corey would have figured out something else to do with his life on that day. And he wouldn't have shown up to Chubby's because that's where they would have been. And it would have frustrated him. And maybe he would have had a worse time overall, but, uh, you know. Core has a right to be upset, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but Eric should have done the right thing, and he didn't. And it's not about Corey being lame. It's not about him not being dangerous enough. It's the simple fact of he's just being himself, which is a goofball, and Eric was embarrassed by him. And instead of just being honest with him, he let him be in turmoil. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I give I do give Eric credit though too, because uh, Eric does push hard for Corey even after the fountain incident. I mean, he does push hard. Corey's my brother. You know, I I don't want to drop him. You know, he does push hard until Kim goes into that stereotypical aggressive girl mode that we see so much on Boy Meets World. So, you know, as much as Eric really dropped the ball on heading this off at the pass, I do want to give him some credit. As as dumb as he is, he get, he did try. So, well, also though, like Sean comes down and goes, "Oh, Corey said there's a beautiful girl down here." <laughs> like it wasn't like that's something. If he went up there and said, "Oh my gosh, Eric's with this really like beautiful girl down there," doesn't that give more evidence to the fact of Corey is aware he's just a goofball? So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this may be a little yeah, uh, bit of a personal episode for me, so let's just keep moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought it might be, but yeah, you're you, you bring that up. Sean comes down. Corey clearly spread the word. There's a very good looking girl down there. Sean comes down, uh, does a little flirty flirt. It's worth the trip to come down. Kim wants Sean for her cousin because I think my cousin would have a good time with Sean, and if my cousin has a good time. We could have a good time. No, Corey's my brother. Corey's my blood. (laughs) Sean has blood. Good looking people. That woo was very clearly an aggressive kiss on the couch. (laughs) And, you know, Eric, Eric, even right up to that moment is pushing hard for Corey until hormones kick in and just... He's, he can't think anymore, and he caves. So there's there's our conceit for the episode. Eric's going to double with Sean because he can't say no to this girl. And Corey, despite just being himself in the comfort of his own home, just having fun, Corey is, is labeled as just not dangerous enough. So here we go. So we get to... Uh, we get to have a little uh, interaction with Feeney and Turner, a little more exploration of their uh, relationship. And I, I want to put this out there. At no point in this episode, in multiple viewings, did I see any evidence of Mr. Turner actively putting Mr. Feeney in the situation where Mr. Feeney should feel less than himself. I saw Mr. Turner making some effort to include him. Now, granted, Mr. Feeney would have seen this as uh, as reactionary at best, but I did not see Mr. Turner, you know, we'll get to it, but I did not see Mr. Turner making <laughs> active attempts to put Mr. Feeney in, you know, the, the guy that shouldn't stray too far from the chess club, so to speak. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Brett. This is going to be a real interesting episode because I saw a lot of evidence of that. Well, good. We'll have a little fun there. Because, I mean, for for as it stands now, all Feeney's trying to say, like, hey, remember, there's that meeting, you know, at four o'clock today. And turn to me and goes, oh, is it that meeting where we all get the boring things? Like, is it really, really, like... 
He's like, yes, I don't that's the one. Go. He's like, I don't want to go. I was like, too bad. I'll see you at four. Right. So it's just like I can I can sense that kind of annoyance of like Turner's like in that kind of playful mood. Mm-hmm. And maybe the best way to describe it is like Turner's kind of a very active dog this episode. And Feeney is that mm-hmm. old kind of crotchety dog that just doesn't want to be bothered by the young pup. And just Turner is just too much. And the dog's just like, I'm just trying to tell you so your life is easier. <laughs> so maybe that's more what it is. It's just, you know, that young little whippersnapper that's moving all over the place, you know. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. Earring boy. <laughs> yes. Well, so there, we, we get that set up. And then Eric finds Sean in the hallway and invites him to double. Sean is... Very surprised that Eric I didn't did do not. It. <laughs> yes, I didn't do it. I don't know where he is. I don't have a dime. <laughs> I love that. Why would Eric come to Sean in the hallway? Of course, that's his response. That's fair. I mean, at this point, we don't really see them having a real relationship besides unless Corey's there. So the mm-hmm. fact that he's talking to him outside of it, you know, could could scare him a little bit. I can see that exactly. Yeah, but. Eric invites him to double with uh, with um, Kim and her cousin from out of town. Corey, uh, you know, you don't think I would ask Corey first. And we get this fun little back and forth a little bit. Sean wants to know what she's like. Gorgeous, like El McPherson's, uh, with El McPherson's body, with Cindy Crawford's mind. You've never seen her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm paying. paying. <laughs> I'm paying. Just She's my, my type. <laughs> Where are we going? I'm paying. I love that place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course the seventh grader is going to be on board. Did your brother ever invite you to double with him? I'm going to respond to your question with a question. And and my best Feeney quote for this week. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just just out of curiosity there. (laughs) No, Brett. uh, Let's just get into this real quick. See, my brother was in the popular crowd, the real popular crowd, the too cool for school popular crowd. And I, for lack of better wording, wasn't. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we both we both played sports, but like just the group of people he surrounded himself with were the cool people, and I just didn't do that. Um, like I was friends with everybody, but I just I was not the popular guy. So, mm-hmm. and I it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to be popular. I was quite mm-hmm. content in high school, but. I may or may not have been a little Corey like and a little embarrassing. <laughs> and so I'm assuming at some point I did a little, hey, look at me, I'm a fountain, and <laughs> probably was a little too old to do that. So that probably did embarrass him. Yes. I'm, I'm sure younger brothers are, I mean, historically, younger brothers always embarrass older brothers, I'm sure. I remember good looking people. I have two younger brothers. I never did invite my younger brothers to double with me granted i only dated one girl in high school and i was homeschooled throughout high school anyway so they didn't date 
at the time where I was dating anyway. <laughs> I was trying to just think in general of how many double dates I really went on, and there wasn't a whole lot. So, oh well. Uh, but anyway, so we we switch <laughs> into the the uh, faculty meeting where yes. we get a little a little back and forth. Turner's getting you know throwing a little charm. Jonathan, you look as though you could handle yourself through a strenuous weekend of physical exertion. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Why don't you come with me, Dad? <laughs> All right. Now, this is for the ski club. <laughs> it's a good thing there's no students around. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Last year, Feeney was a scuba and dive diving instructor. Yeah. In future seasons, he will be on the senior ski trip. Mm-hmm. So either it's because Turner disappeared, so Feeney had no choice to do it, and there was no other teachers around, or it's just for this episode, just for this episode's sake, because Feeney is dangerous. We all know this. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's go with six of one, half dozen of the other here. On the one hand, Mr. Feeney was at the elementary school last year, and who knows how many of these teachers even know him. On the other hand, it is just this episode, and who knows if this writer was even on staff last year or will be on staff in season five. We all know that Boy Meets World really does not do continuity very well. On the other hand, back to the first hand, perhaps season five is a result of this episode and where we'll get. Could, could, be, yes, could be. I am right there with you. But uh, this, this character... Uh, Jonathan refers to her as Dot, but she is credited as Rifkin. This is Kathy Kinney. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is the first and only appearance, uh, only time we'll see her in Boy Meets World. 58 acting credits on her resume. New Heart, Arachnophobia, Step by Step. Step by Step, Day <laughs> by Day. Seinfeld, Full House, Grace Under Fire, Lois and Clark, New Adventures of Superman, My Name is Earl. But she is best known for playing Mimi Bobek Carey for 233 episodes on The Drew Carey Show. Oh, yes, that makes sense. Yes, typically day under a day. <laughs> <laughs> typically under about eight pounds of makeup there. Fair. <laughs> yes. Fair, fair. But that uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, yeah. We, we move on a little bit here, and uh, it's, it's assumed then that George is going to, of course, uh, oversee the chess club. Chess club advisor, that would, of course, be George. Why? <laughs> what? Why, of course? You said, of course. Why did you say, of course? I, I just assumed that you would that want That the it. little man in the sweater vest better not stray too far from the dry cleaners. <laughs> George, what are you getting so hot about? It's just clubs. And by the way, nice sweater vest. You just automatically assume that because I dress this way, because I speak this way, that I was born to lead the chess club? Yeah, of course. George, you're principal here. You want another club, you say the word. I don't want another club. I just want everybody to stop assuming around here. That's all. I move that we all stop assuming anything. Because <laughs> you, you probably assumed I was going to do that. Okay, so let's get into this. All right. <laughs> the fact that he just goes, why are you getting so hot about? Like, why are you getting upset? And it's like, 
Oh, by the way, nice sweater. Like, <laughs> uh, it, with the words, you can go, oh, he's trying to be nice. But it, it feels the way he delivers it. It's a dig. And I can see that. I can read that, too. And yet, at the same time, the other half of that sentence is, it's just clubs. And it is followed up with, George, you're the principal. You want another club. You say it. <sighs> And so there's, I mean, I can, I can definitely see why there's, there's evidence there to read into that, that Jonathan is, is thrown the, the shade. Yeah. I can see that. I can also see there's just as much there to balance it out that Jonathan is also showing respect to what we would, we have come to see as a mentor figure. Right. At the very least. And I'll, I'll even say this. Jonathan feels like the type of guy that doesn't take these type of meetings serious, so he just tells jokes the whole time. Or as I like to no, say, clearly. the funny guy. <laughs> so he's trying to be the funny guy, and George is kind of getting frustrated. Sorry, Mr. Mm-hmm. Feeney. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dot uh, called him George. We don't see he, Dot again. She got fired after this. Because <laughs> so, then he immediately goes like, I, I, I motioned that we stop assuming. And he goes, oh, you thought I was going to. <laughs> of course you thought I was going to do that. So it's just like a. Like, it just feels like he's just trying to be funny in the process. Yeah. He might not realize that he could actually be hurting Mr. Feeney's feelings. And that is very, that is very and, true. And I do think it's an assumption that just because someone's older, that they can just handle and take whatever. And again, this could just be from recent stuff going on. But it's just like, <laughs> just because you're the person that's in charge doesn't mean you don't have feelings and you don't, you know, reflect on mm-hmm. everything and feel bad about things. So, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't include it, but right after this, it's a very visual moment. If if you didn't catch it when you watched it, go looking people, go back and watch it again. George, Mr. Feeney gives this stare with this arched eyebrow right after Mr. Turner says, "You you assumed I was going to do that," and it's just it changes his countenance. It's whoa, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he audibly says, "Whoa," right. <laughs> Well, yeah, but again, it's that whole the younger can just kind of pry and pry and pry. And George probably just could be having a bad day and just doesn't want to deal with his shenanigans. You know, mm-hmm. we we learned a couple of weeks ago whenever he was allowing the electoral process to kind of play itself out. and He didn't step in and he probably thought maybe I should step in. And now it's like he may feel like. I may have to just defend myself a little bit because everyone just is assuming things of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just uh, I believe it was last week he was getting the best of Mr. Turner by uh, hustling him on the, on the uh, racquetball court. So, yeah. you know, yeah. a little give and take. But, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely I, I definitely do see the, the reading here where, Ooh. you know, George is. You know what? Just throwing this out there. This could be a week or two after that whole scenario, and this is kind of his way of getting back at him for hustling uh, him before of being a little bit, little more disrespectful now that he knows that Feeney's willing to play. Oh, very well could be. So there you go. So we move on from the meeting to Chubby's, where uh, we get another Chubby. <laughs> Are you sure oh, we're oh, going no, to Chubby's I'm or skipping. we're going to the high, I, I high, scrolled, Matthew's house? I, 
no, I scrolled too far on my notes. Okay. Right. We, I was like, I skipped. I'm, I'm looking at notes and it doesn't line up. <laughs> no, I scrolled too far down on my notes. All right. Scratch uh, we, that. We moved to the, so we're yes, at the Matthews we, house. <laughs> we're at the Matthews house in the kitchen where Alan and Amy are having a chat about Amy's new haircut. Yeah. Alan doesn't see the difference. <laughs> they got it just the, the, just the way you got it did before. But it cost a fortune, Alan. To which... Where's my sound? You have my undivided attention. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's a very... Now, I have to ask, because this is a very stereotypical take on, on husbands. Has been for years. Has been in popular media for years since time immemorial. When Sarah gets a haircut... Do you notice it without having to be told? Well, for starters, I always know when she's going for a haircut. It's never like a surprise <laughs> to me. Um, and a lot of times I have to sometimes encourage her to go get a haircut because it's just a way for her to do something nice for herself. And I'm like, hey, do something nice for you. Um but like if I didn't know she went to go get a haircut and die and everything like that and she just showed up like you know, I would immediately know because I pay attention. <laughs> it's like, it's not hard. <laughs> like, I will say for Alan, like, you have to actually pull up a picture of Amy from last week's episode to this week's episode for me to notice the difference because I personally can't clock the difference right now mm-hmm. uh, in her hair. Um, other than the fact it was styled differently, but, you know... <sighs> It is that horrible trope of men don't pay attention, but on the same token, is it actually a, that different? Real world from last week to this week is really not. <laughs> but if your wife actually does go and get her hair done, you should be able to notice. It's not hard to notice. I I ran into my mom at Walmart. I immediately noticed. I didn't say anything at first, just in case I was going to be wrong. But you know, I let her tell me that she did. But it's it's not hard to t- to pay attention. Just look at them. It costs nothing. <laughs> it costs nothing to pay attention. And I yes. will say, Alan, for lack of a better word, does everything wrong in this whole conversation. He really does. Like, um, this is a, a full-blown Oog situation. <laughs> this is Oog's gonna be sleeping on the couch situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Oog need leave. Wife needs something. Oog can't tell. <laughs> yeah. Oog is angry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Alan, uh, Alan is uh, thinking in the neighborhood of a dollar for the haircut. And... Now, granted, this is 1995 uh, costs for hairstyling and cuts and whatnot. Now, I'm I am not fully well versed in inflation versus what uh, to expect for a haircut style and weave for uh, for all that. But it was 130 dollars back then for this episode. I don't know what it'd be today. But, you know, Alan is uh, surprised, to say the least, and, you know, wants her to get her money back. Yeah. That's, because I, Rodique is <sighs> is costing too much. <laughs> Again, this, 
this has to be, have been written by someone who is single and and or does not know anything at all about what their significant others do or what's going on because this is this is not a rational conversation between two people. Like I've never gone into my wife's stuff like, well, let me see exactly how much you spent on this. This is ridiculous. Go get your money back. Like this is a very TV conversation. I will say. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> the, the Alan Amy we met last year and even in the beginning of this year would not, this doesn't add up. I agree. <laughs> Honestly, I would just take it as, Alan is in a rush and potentially stressing and knows his buddies are going to give him a hard time with every minute that mm-hmm. he's late. So, cause I'm sure he's taught, he's the whipped guy with his friends cause he has a good relationship with his wife, but yeah, we all know how those stereotypical Monday night poker games go, you know? Yes. Although I do love their conversation later on after poker. That's for sure. <laughs> oh yes. We'll get into more of that. Yeah. Yes. So Alan gets sent on his way, and now we go to Chubby's. (laughs) And we get a new Chubby. This Chubby, uh, for those of you at home keeping track, this is at least our third Chubby. Uh, This one is played by Monty Hoffman, who is no longer with us. He passed away in 2013. First and only time we'll see him on Boy Meets World. 26 acting credits on his resume. Uh, You saw him in Roseanne, the Howard the Duck movie. Uh, one of the first Marvel movies way back when. Saved by the Bell, Married with Children, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Family Matters, The Drew Carey Show, and others. Are you going to sing the Family Matters theme song? Are we contractually obligated for that? Family Matters? No, we're not contractually obligated for that. Just checking. But uh, at Chubby's, he greets Corey as Potsy, or as Curly, and uh, we find out Sean is Potsy. Yes. (laughs) Which I just, I like. I I like it. That's fun. (laughs) I will say, if this was the chubby we had the whole time, I could dig it. Oh, yeah. I would have loved this chubby. If they weren't switched out chubby every other episode, like, it would have been better than have one chubby and just stick to that chubby. Chubby one had no personality. Chubby two was like a low-rent mob mob, uh, boss knockoff. This chubby I really could have gotten into the whole time. I liked him. Honestly, yeah. if, if you would have told me that this was the same Chubby throughout, I would have believed you. Oh, yeah. I would have been on board. But uh, so he manages to find uh, find uh, Potsy for Curly. And then you want to find something really, see something really amazing. We find out Elvis is alive and at Chubby's. Elvis is spotted <laughs> in Philadelphia. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then we get into the really heart of the matter. Sean has no clue that Corey was not invited to the double date. He assumes it was the date that he couldn't make. He invites Corey to meet the girls because the girl he's on the date is imported from New York, the Windy City. And uh, (laughs) let's... (laughs) Can you please explain to the younger viewers why that's funny? Younger viewers, uh, big na- big cities tend to have nicknames. If you've never heard, New York is actually the Big Apple. Chicago is the Windy City. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, in the middle of winter, Chicago can get very windy. <laughs> but uh, when Corey gets to the table, we get a little bit of a fun interaction here. Just a little bit here for you. Sean, don't take this. 
this the wrong way, but your date looks a whole lot like my brother. Hey, Cor. She's got the voice down, too. So what's going on? Eric and I are doubling. The girls are just in the bathroom. Oh, you're doubling? Yeah, you know, on the date you couldn't make. Not good for Eric. And this is where it all, uh, th this is exactly where what you brought up on your soapbox right at the beginning where Eric could have avoided all this if he just thought of Corey at the very beginning. Because now he sends Sean away because he's got a cover for so that he doesn't look bad in front of Sean. He's got to try to save face in front of Corey. He's trying to deflect by, Corey, your birthday's coming up. What do you want for your birthday? Which... I don't know why he'd assume that would work. Well, we know from last year his birthday should be like two months away. So yeah. why say seven? <laughs> Did the writer who write this episode not know when his birthday is? Uh, I'm going to assume Glenn was probably a, a stringer that maybe came into the room this year. <laughs> yeah, but again... Yeah. It, it's not like it's just a random kid from his class. Like, it's his best friend. Mm -hmm. Did Eric not think these two were going to talk to each other, like, at any point? <sighs> it's Eric. All the blood was gone from his head. Well, for lack of better wording, though, this is like Survivor in a way. Like, in the game of Survivor, there's only so many people you can talk to about getting voted out, and eventually, you might spill the beans to somebody that you're not supposed to spill the beans to of what mm -hmm. the plan is, and that could ruin the plan. And you know the plan, because mm -hmm. it's a plan. And the plan is a plan. Think about this whole scene, Brent. Mm -hmm. Is uh, every sign of evidence points to this is Eric's fault. And what I don't appreciate is later on, Eric tries to blame Corey for why he couldn't go on the date. And that's the narrative that plays through this episode. But again, Eric just didn't communicate mm -hmm. with his brother. All he had to do is communicate to him. And it probably wouldn't have spent him spiraling. But, you know, episode has to episode. But yeah. Yeah. If Eric would have communicated, we wouldn't have Danger Boy. Yeah. But I will say, from the interaction that we have with Corey and the girl, one could argue that she probably would have enjoyed his goofy antics. Possibly, yes. And that girl, by the way, is Laura, the cousin, played by... She, me I was like, she's, she's just a random one-off... No one will ever see her again. Right? She only has like this one acting credit. Oh, sure. Laura is played by Mina Savari. Uh, this is actually the Sounds first of two appearances she has on Boy Meets World. She'll be back next season. Uh, she has 89 acting credits to her name, and uh, Boy Meets World was actually her first credited role. This is her big break in Hollywood. And if you haven't figured out good-looking people just by the name, uh, Mina went on to be a big name in Hollywood for quite a while and is still acting today. Uh, went on with roles in ER, American Pie Franchise, uh, American Beauty, The Musketeer, Psych, Chicago Fire, American Horror Story, uh, did some voice acting in Justice League Action, and a whole lot more. Uh, so, and she got her start here uh, playing an imported girl from the Windy City of New York. 
And uh, she possibly would have enjoyed Corey's goofiness, as Tyler pointed out. But Corey is just not uh, not happy. And he is just he's hurt. And I, I don't blame him. And he's leaving. I'm fine, okay? Let's not push how fine I am. Eric realizes just how big a mistake he made. We'll, we'll, we'll say that, and Corey leaves. <laughs> so we fade out, we come back. Corey's right into the desk. I don't know if we've ever brought up the point that Corey is a lefty, have we? Corey's a lefty? Yeah. You didn't notice that? You are blowing my brain right now. Yeah, he's, he's uh, writing with his uh, left hand at the desk there. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, so huh. Corey is sitting at the desk, and uh, I'm actually looking at the screen cap I grabbed right now of it. He's got his pencil in his left hand writing in his book there. It's not the first time I've noticed I talked to Kelly, because Kelly is a left uh, a southpaw, as we call it sometimes. Uh, and Corey is a lefty. She's noticed a long time ago because she will notice those things a lot quicker than I will. So she's a lefty as well. But yeah, Corey's a lefty. Corey's also Wait, wearing an Eagles jersey. Kelly is a lefty? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning things I should have known before. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, so Corey the lefty sitting at the desk in his bedroom wearing an Eagles jersey with the number 12, which I believe at this point would have been Randall Cunningham, but... Uh, I believe so. Uh, very snarky to Eric. You know, he gets to stay up later than Morgan. Is he, you know, was it funny like a clown funny? And he, he, he kind of lays into Eric, and I, I wanted to share a little bit of this with us. How complicated is it that I'm your brother? I mean, how tough is it to think of me? Kim didn't exactly want you. She didn't? No, but I swear I thought you right off the bat. Well, how hard did you push? I was selling real hard, and you were looking real good. Right up to when you actually showed up. <laughs> the fountain hurt me? <laughs> of course, she was just looking for a different type of person. What type? I don't know. I guess she wanted her cousin's date to be kind of cool, kind of dangerous. And she didn't see me as cool and dangerous. Oh, no. See, you have a less obvious kind of danger thing happening. Come danger, on, Eric. <laughs> on a danger scale, where would you put me? If pushed, I'd say you're just slightly less dangerous than lime jello. That's a pretty interesting scale. <laughs> Again, he he makes it out to, oh, she just you weren't the type of guy that she wanted her cousin to go on a date with. Mm -hmm. And... Whether or not he is lime jello or he's not very dangerous, the fact was is that he embarrassed. He, she would have been embarrassed for the boy who spit in like a fountain to go on a date with her cousin. Mm -hmm. That's all it was. And I, I, I know that Corey's kind of a vanilla <laughs> character and eventually we'll have s celery for a poster, <laughs> a framed poster of that. But like, uh, one week he is dangerous and the next week he is not dangerous and the next week he is not dangerous and the next week he's dangerous. I just wish the show would make up their mind on who Corey is. 
Yeah, and with as many times as this season, as Corey is struggling to find himself as the main thrust of the episode's story, here we have an episode where he is actually comfortable in who he is to start the episode, and that's thrown out of joint because he's not dangerous enough. Yeah. Well, he's Shane for being himself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what it was. And I honestly, goodness, wish that either Eric would have thought to say, well, this is who my brother is. He's silly, but he's a good hearted, kind boy who will treat your cousin nicely. Yeah. If, if I feel like that's the pitch he should have made and it was just, no, that boy is cute. That's the one that she would want to go on a date with. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think Kim really knows her cousin that well. I'm just going to say it. I would agree. But then Eric wouldn't be able to visit the legislative branch. That's true. Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Eric gaslights his brother into thinking that it's his fault why he didn't get to go on the date. And then Morgan comes in, is adorable for her one line, one scene, and then is out. (laughs) Yep. And totally undermines Corey talking about how dangerous he is. And Corey admits he's jello and he's just done for the night. The next day in Feeney's class, he's lecturing about Harry Truman and gets in a snarky one-liner jab about uh, Truman wearing a sweater vest. I like that. That was fun. And uh, after after class, Sean is desperately trying to apologize to Corey. It's kind of funny. He doesn't remember what he wants to say because he was, you know, it's not about that war part two thing. <laughs> but Corey, <laughs> Corey doesn't need Sean to apologize to him. And he lets him know it's not he's not mad at Sean. He's not mad at Eric. He should be. But yes, he, he should be. But he's just. He's As he puts it, everyone did what they were supposed to do. Eric and Sean went on dates with cool girls from New York. Corey stayed home and played Candyland with Morgan and lost. And then afterwards, they colored. And, you know, it's kind of nice. You know, it's good. Mom hung mine up on the picture and he keeps talking. And <laughs> Sean wants Mr. Feeney to fix him because <laughs> he can't see him like this. Talk to him, man. <laughs> And uh, I, I really, I, I really like the Mr. Feeney's heart. How are you, my boy? Because you know, Mr. Matthews, how are you, my boy? It's just, it's really, it's really heartening. Yeah, and I, I, I will say, I do love his lesson he's t- teaching about Harry Truman. <laughs> I wonder if they weren't really teaching. He's supposed to be teaching about uh, World War II, or if he just like took this moment and be like, I'm going to teach about this now because it's relevant. <laughs> and they need to know what he did. And this sweater vest wearing ways. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But Corey confides in Mr. Feeney about how everyone thinks that he's safe and boring. And uh, difficult as it is for, uh, for him to believe for him to relate people around the school do see or uh, do see Mr. Feeney as uh, mild we'll say well this is a perfect time to start talking about my biggest annoyance of Mr. Turner oh yeah and that's because 
Feeney and Corey are trying to have this moment. They're similar to moments they have over the years now. And Turner just kind of comes in and goes, Hey, George, Ski Trip and I want you to uh, come along. And uh, uh, he, that's when he pulls up the sweater vest. And they go, shush, 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 shush. And it's like, okay, seriously, like, you are straight up antagonizing him at this moment. <laughs> like, there's no way else around it. You are literally throwing another vest, because clearly he's only interested in vests. And, you know, it's just, it's mocking him to mock him, and I don't like it. <laughs> That that is the one instance that I I can't really defend. I mean, yes, it is it, it is a puffy vest. It's an insulated vest. It is it is a winter vest. But yes, it is a vest. It it's not a jacket. It's you know it is a vest. Clearly, it is that one is clearly a dig. <laughs> yes. Thank you for seeing my point, and uh, you clearly agree with me now. Thank you. I agree with you on that point. <laughs> That one definitely is. <laughs> That's not what I heard. <laughs> well, yes, uh, Mr. Feeney tells Mr. Turner to stick it in his ear, and uh, he turns back to Corey, and he has some words of wisdom for him. You'd be surprised how many people around here think of me as stodgy and conservative. Aren't you? There you are, my point exactly. You see my outer appearance, and you conclude that I'm cautious and unadventurous. Like lime jello. <laughs> All right. If you let people's perception of you dictate your behavior, you will never grow as a person. But if you leave yourself open to experience, despite what others think, then you will learn and grow. And when you grow and mature, then you can rub their smug little earring-wearing noses in it. Oh, uh, yes. And that is that is when Mr. Feeney has decided he definitely wants to show Mr. Turner who's who. <laughs> well, and OK, I will say that all the advice he's giving is so it's not similar advice, but it's just like the the feeling of this feels so last season of Feeney gives the advice now. And the fact that Feeney also personally has other motivations. <laughs> yes, this is definitely a Corey and, uh, and Mr. Feeney have very parallel uh, life experiences now. And uh, it's it's just, it's, it's almost reminiscent. I, I kind of get slight vibes like we had way back with Father Knows Less where Alan and Mr. Feeney had somewhat similar uh, conflict going on, but different sides of the fence. But here we have Corey and Mr. Feeney in exactly the same boat. And Mr. Feeney is giving him advice that is exactly, you know, he's hearing it as he's giving it and he's realizing this is exactly what I need to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, Oftentimes, the advice you're giving others is the advice you need to hear as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I <laughs> just, he has this obsession with the whole earring wearing uh, <laughs> young teacher. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I love that Corey immediately takes this as we together need to do something reckless. We, something we need to do something stupid, stupid. um yeah 
Yeah. And so we, we moved back to the kitchen. Alan, uh, Amy let Alan sleep in nicely. This is apparently Saturday morning. Or well, no, because we were just that had to have been Monday. So I, either way, I'm not. I'm not going to try and figure out days on this anymore. This is. Yeah, don't, uh, don't try to figure out um, the dates. Um, uh, yeah, Amy wants to know poker how the game. poker game went. <laughs> I just love how she's just like, oh, how did it went good? Yeah, you know, a little, up, oh. a little down. Well, Gordy called. <laughs> Want to know if we we're still on speaking terms? <laughs> Apparently, Alan lost $300 in the poker game. <laughs> Just how? Uh, uh. Now, I will say this, Brett. When I was a younger person, uh, buddies of mine, we would... Uh, we would do some games and we would have some money with us while we did some games. And a lot of times it was like lawn mowing money that would have like 20 bucks and I'd use that 20 bucks. And then if I won or not, mm-hmm. okay. Most like most often I lost, but regardless, I was just hanging out with buddies, but like I was never putting in more money. So like, how did Alan have that much cash laying around or did he start writing checks? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna assume he had cash on him, but uh, taking three hundred bucks though, yeah. it was a different time. But my goodness, yeah. Now, granted, he and Amy are both working, but still, what? Right, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I was just getting commentary from the back saying I would not be allowed to take $300 anywhere like that. Oh, neither would I. I mean, I I wouldn't even want to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've played poker with my friends here and there and we yeah, we we never put in more than, you know, 10, 20 bucks at most ourselves, but yeah, and I mean even I I don't know. But anyway, um, Amy so and Alan the, have the person I gambled with the most was my <laughs> 90 year old Lutheran great grandma. <laughs> that woman hustled us all. Oh, well, Amy and Alan have their own moment here. You have my undivided attention. They called me names. Wally called me a wuss. Uh, Bert said I was whipped. Gordy goes, hate it when he goes, you lose three hundred dollars. The best card I got all night was a six of clubs. What do you want me to do? Go ask for your money back. You can't, you can't do, do that. that. Oh, oh, but I, I can, can do, do that. that. <laughs> okay, okay. What do you have to show for your three hundred dollars? I have a, a shirt that smells like smoke. Yes, and what do I have to show for my hundred and thirty dollars? The most beautiful hair that I ever saw. Thank you. That looks just like the way they got it before. Kiss <laughs> me and watch the hair. And I will say, I. The thing I love about this couple is regardless of how badly they're written for randomly sometimes, they are terrific together. And I think it's just the two's chemistry really seeps through mm-hmm. and they're just a great couple. They are. Yeah. And as as poorly written as this B plot is for them, I do I do like that they're able to work it out without Oog must sleep on couch and rah rah rah. But even though he's thrown away so to speak double the amount of money they are able to see that each has used money each had permission to use money how they saw fit and you know they're they're able to not hold a grudge against each other 
Yeah. yeah. That is the thing is that this, you never see throughout their whole show the two of them really holding things over each other. Right. And that's. What they do is mostly just as a joke and it's dropped if the, one of them feels like they're. Right. You know, not being heard. Yes. <laughs> it hurts that you don't think I would cheat on you. <laughs> yes. So, Eric finds a note from Corey in their room. He's going to the amusement park to face death with Mr. Feeney. That's right. Mr. Feeney. <laughs> I like the note. <laughs> uh, which is the last ride. Now, I've ridden a lot of roller coasters in my time. And, uh, I mean, good looking people. I grew up not far from Cedar Point, which is America's roller coast. I spent a lot of days at Cedar Point. Yes, quotation marks, Tyler. Uh, at one point, it was the most populated by roller coasters uh, amusement park. It, it typically would every other year introduce a brand new roller coaster. So. Uh, I had friends growing up that had season passes, so I would be there a lot. Um, we have been there a lot. I have been to uh, one point we uh, growing up, we had what was called Geauga Lake close to us, which was then which was right next to SeaWorld, which was then bought by Six Flags and was combined to make Six Flags, I forget. At one point, it's Six Flags Ohio, and it was Six Flags something else. And then it was separated, and SeaWorld died off, and it was just Geauga Lake again, and then it died off. Now somewhere on YouTube, there's like a drone fly-through of it because it's all overgrown. It looks like The Last of Us or something. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's quite interesting. But uh, I, I went have, to SeaWorld as a kid. I have never seen a an amusement park park or a a roller coaster that has protests from parents groups clergymen and nasa engineers that requires riders to sign a catastrophe waiver which includes an organ donation request because as the amusement park owner says things happen (laughs) oh don't worry i have plenty of stuff about the uh inspiration of this uh ride and also uh the uh the park that this is based on all right so anyway uh the newscaster is uh trisha stone played by a woman by the name of mcnally seagal that is one of my new favorite names for an actress uh she will actually show up two more times on boy meets world both in season six she is a doctor in the hospital when the matthews next child is born of course um she has 56 acting credits on her resume coneheads ellie law nightbreed murder one seinfeld pleasantville er the x-files daddy daycare house bones monk gray's anatomy a lot more well, well traveled, and she has a very good presence as a newscaster. So, uh, great little moment of comedy where uh, Feeney and Corey are on camera, and we get this fun little we laugh in the face of danger moment. Because me and my buddy George are the two most fearless guys you'll ever meet, and we laugh in the face of danger. Ha! 
Oh, Mr. Feeney is mistaken for Corey's grandfather, but he very quickly corrects her that he is the thrill-seeking principal of John Adams High. Uh, and then, of course, Mr. Turner and Mr. Eric come, or Mr. Eric and Eric come you know, running these, up. These are the slight things that could get a principal in potential trouble, like for claiming who where he works and everything really like could. I mean, today uh, this could get him canceled very easily today <laughs> good thing there wasn't social media around back in 1995 I and mean, people with, with you know tiktok and twitter could have had him fired very easily but anyway apparently mr feeney left a note for mr turner because uh, he and Eric come running up. They both got notes, and they're trying to convince Mr. Feeney and Corey to get out of the ride. And here is where Turner and Eric both are trying to convince them to get out of the ride. George, riding a roller coaster is not the way to prove you're dangerous. Would you care to join me, Mr. Turner? <laughs> no. As your older brother, I am telling you to get out of this car now. Oh, now you're so concerned for me? Now you stand up for me? Well, it's too late. I'm dead. <laughs> you're out of your mind. Dangerously out of my mind. Let's light this candle. <laughs> I understand. You proved it to me. You're dangerous. You don't have to do this. Next time there's a double date, you're going. I'm going? You're going. I have a new competitor for my favorite Mr. Feeney. Previously, sassy Mr. Feeney was my favorite. Right now, it may be my, uh, it may be dangerous Mr. Feeney. He is committed. <laughs> he is going for this no Mr. matter Sulu. what happens. Let's light this candle. Warp factor 10, Mr. Sulu. Mr. Feeney is a Trekkie. <laughs> <laughs> he does wear a sweater vest so it fits in his character uh, are you saying only nerds can want enjoy Star Trek nerds have kept that franchise alive for a lot longer than it should have oh, that's fighting words my boy well to speak non-Klingon, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I do like how they, you clearly aren't going to have them show them going through the roller coaster. Oh, but not with they the way just kind of describe, describe what's going on and back and forth and oh, this and that. And now they're back. And with the way to describe, there's no way they could have the budget to do that. And it's it's a nice it's a nice instance of of tell not show. It's very it, yep. I mean it's an old theater trick. They do it well. There's no way in the real world that this coaster could exist. This is a very heightened boy meets world reality. And they come back, and Mr. Feeney is in the rear of the car now, and Corey or Mr. Feeney is in the front of the car now. Corey is in the rear of the car. It turns out. Mr. Feeney at one point was thrown from the car, had to run in front of the car, and then got in the back of the car. Not surprising, considering Corey was able to stand up and the shoulder harness moved quite freely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, uh, both, both Corey and Mr. Turner are in awe. The Corey and... Mr. Feeney are dangerous. They have proven it. They can have whatever they want. 
they they help them out of the car and they convince uh, Corey and Mr. Feeney convince Eric and Mr. Turner to get in the car to look for Corey's missing shoe and then slam the shoulder harnesses down on them and convince the ride operator to send the car off sans signed consent forms for the ride. <laughs> yep. And high-five each other. I, I love that little <laughs> bit of Corey just holding on to Feeney for dear life. And he's like, do you want chess club? Don't want, Don't chess, want club. chess club. Do you want ski club? Don't, Don't want, want ski, ski club. club. What do you want? want get you to get off my get back. Off my back. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I do love that. Uh, I, I love the high-five between Corey and Mr. Feeney at the end, too. Uh, you know, they, they scheme together to get turner and eric in the car and send them off and it's that that look between them to when they real it when they just decide what they're gonna do to get them in the car it's 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 a fun moment too yep and then we go to the tag yeah more to say no i just it's just so it's so silly and it's perfect. It's the perfect type of silly for this show. It is. With as heightened as we got with the way this coaster was, it's it fits. It's a perfect ending for it. Then we go to the tag. It's poker night. Alan is hosting and he's gotten he's busted. And Rodique is there. Rodique is yes. their friend from the boutique. <laughs> Rodique is played by Philippe Simon. I'm gonna say Simon just because his first name is Philippe, because I don't know if it's Simon or Simon. First and only time we'll see him on Boy Meets World. 56 acting credits on his resume. Uh, you might have seen him in The Usual Suspects, The Nanny, Alias, Gilmore Girls, Chuck, My Name is Earl, Iron Man 2, or any other host of uh, options. Alan gets, uh, he's busted. He gets up some table. He leaves. Turn out the lights when you're over. Rodique makes the chicken noise. Blames it on Wally. And then Elvis walks in. This game is getting totally out of hand. Runs over to the king. King, can you help me? I'm busted. And Elvis offers him millions of dollars. That might be enough for a haircut. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, it's silly. It wraps up the storylines. And let's just throw out a couple more jokes just for kicks and giggles. Yeah. And there we have it. There is Danger Boy. Good looking people. All right, so Tyler, how about some deep dives? People, 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 people. Am I the only one who read the summer reading list? Okay, let's start with the whole left-handed situation. So from what I saw is apparently the character is supposed to be left or right-handed, but Ben Savage is left-handed. So probably without thinking, he would just start writing left-handed and just in the show, they didn't think to change anything, you know. Continuity's not this show's strongest point. I know other shows talk about, like, how they have, like, a, a show Bible where they have all the things about the different characters and whatnot to keep track of anything. I don't think Boy Meets World ever had one of those. It was just whatever happens, happens. When we have... Like old, younger Corys, they are all right-handed. The only one that's not is Ben Savage, clearly. This one popped up, so let's talk about it real quick. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley is the man who's referred to as the king. That is clearly an impersonator. Dear viewers, if you don't know who Elvis Presley is, what you need to understand is 
It is an interesting history this man has. Both one of the most influential people in rock and roll. And also someone who in some circles is a very horrible individual that stole a lot of music from other people. I choose to mostly view it in the realm of he was there in an era that desperately needed him in the 50s and 60s as well. Uh, he was born January 8th, 1935, and he passed away in August 16th, 1977. He was considered the king of rock and roll, which is why people refer to him as the king. Now, in the 90s, it was a big boom for Elvis impersonators because why not? I mean, quite famously, Jesse Kasopoulos from Full House was a Elvis impersonator and quite often sang Elvis songs and did quite a good job at that. Um, Have mercy. I, I've always been a big fan of Elvis. My uh, grandma, Pat, uh, who passed away several years ago, she loved Elvis. So I developed my own love for Elvis, mostly because of her, in all honesty. But quite interesting lifestyle that man led, and we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> if you want to know more, you have to look him up yourself. Peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Yes. So fountains. What's the deal with the fountains? So fountains is from the Latin of fans, gentive fontines, meaning a source of spring and a decorative reservoir used for discharging water. It is also for a structure that jets water into the air for a decorative and dramatic effect. In Roman times, they would use this to be able to push the waters wherever they would need them to be for town squares and whatnot and into different locations. Essentially, water fountains were quite useful. And just over time, as we became more civilized and more industrialized, fountains mostly just became a decorative piece. And so at this point, it's not really used the way it was, they were used before. They're just simply just there to be pretty. There are some very famous water fountains out there. I didn't look up the most famous water fountains, but... Okay, sweater vest. A sweater vest came popularized in England. It is a knitwear similar to a sweater, but without sleeves, usually with a low neck, low cut neckline. They became popular in the 20th century uh, particularly in the 1970s in the UK and growing popularity for sense. Quite often, the shape will come also in the V-neck or crew neck. Basically, it's just another way to allow people to be a little on the fancier side, but also not be completely boggled down in a sweater. I'll be honest, if I had the choice between a sweater or a sweater vest, I would much rather go with a sweater vest. A little more breezier, a little more comfortable. So I'm a big believer in the old sweater vest. So we're talking about chess that uh, Feeney did not want to uh, have, uh, the chess club. So I found a small article that gives the goods and the bads about playing chess. So I wanted to read you downsides of playing chess. Downside of playing chess is it can be extremely stressful, extremely anxiety-driven. Especially this, the higher up you get, the higher competition that you're facing, the more anxious you could become. And uh, it's a very intellectual-driven sport, event, competition, competition. So that can be something that uh, drains on you mentally. Just because you may be smart and good at chess does not mean that you are going to necessarily get good at things like math and problem solving and English and all those type of things. You still have to practice those other things. Just because you're good at strategy does not mean you're going to improve intellectually. Even though for whatever reasons, like chess is considered like the uh, the smart 
uh, competition. You could have people that are amazing at checkers, but not good at chess or vice versa. You like, it doesn't matter. It's a game. Becoming an expert is a giant uh, investment. There's actually a really good TV show about that called Queen's Gambit. I've not watched it myself, but I've heard a lot of good things about it and just the amount of time that is required for a lot of them. And, but to be good at anything, you have to invest a lot and that type of investment can be quite draining. I will say there are benefits to playing chess. I don't mind playing chess myself, but I just never was like a, I have to play chess. I have to be amazing at it. Let's talk about this Adventure Park, Brett, in Philadelphia. Now, I can't say this for a guarantee, but my educated guess is this is a take on a theme park at the time called Action Park, which was in uh, Vernon, uh, New Jersey. The gist of it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there is a documentary on Max right now, which is fantastic. There's some bad words in it, so please be careful. Essentially, a guy who was on Wall Street got kicked off Wall Street, had a bunch of money, and decided to buy a couple ski lodges and was not happy that during the non-winter times that he couldn't make any money on the ski lodges. So instead of doing the rational thing, like building golf courses and, uh, you know, having other attractions that are simple and nice and easy, he decided to build a theme park called Action Park. <laughs> this is, on record, the most dangerous park ever put together. It was started in 1978 and was officially closed down in 1996. It did get opened up again in 2014 and was once again shut down in 2016. Uh, his son later had the park and he tried to do it again and it didn't go over well again. Regardless, this park is credited as like being like the first real like water park in America slash the biggest water park they've ever had. And things like wave pools, like they were the ones that were doing these things. And, you know, so some good stuff that nowadays are classic in uh, water parks. But they also did a lot of crazy things. <laughs> like in the documentary, one of the first things they talk about is a water slide they had that is literally just a loop that you try to do and basically what they said was you have to be the right size or you will not make the loop if you're too big you will not be able to you'll get stuck if you're too small you will not have enough weight to be able to project you so you will also not go so essentially it was a very dangerous place <laughs> and <laughs> the guy kind of ran it like an outlaw when they needed insurance he made up an insurance company so with that guy just standing there all sketchily like yeah sign this waiver blah 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 like that is the type of things that this guy would do if you spend any time either watching the documentary or just looking up any of the things about the this place just understand that no one ever building the rides were actual engineers no one doing a lot of the construction knew what they were doing it, it wasn't built for safety it was <laughs> built for chaos and people that should have been in charge were not in charge and way too many teenagers were uh, the ones overseeing things this gets us to I have an article that's called Eight uh, Horrible Stories of Injuries or Death, because on record they have only six deaths from this park. Only. <laughs> yes. Now, they have 
a lot of injuries. But apparently at this time, it was up to ownership to decide if it was considered a severe enough injury to be reported or not. And it was so much so that they had to have their own EMTs because otherwise the local EMTs were literally just driving out there constantly to get people and take them to a hospital. Like, none of this was safe, and I have no idea why anyone was ever allowed to go there. (laughs) I'm not even going to go through this thing. Just all you need to know about this place is that it was very unsafe, and times are very different now than they were then. Yes, they are. (laughs) For reference, there's a place called Kennywood, which Brett and I have gone to several times. Yep. Uh, is a, a staple in the Pittsburgh community. They have had... In their 125 years, one death. And this place, which was open for a total of 20 years, so that's 105 less years than Kennywood, has had at least six deaths. Things to think about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, I will say that I was interested in another park, a very famous park called Disney World. (laughs) <laughs> because I did find that uh, as of 2023, uh, since opening in 1971, there have been a total of six or 63 deaths. Mm. There's apparently 60 incidents leading into death. So from what I was looking at in this is that at least a third of these were natural causes, things that the park couldn't do anything about it. It's just, you know, it happens. Oh, there we go. Here's a little chart. So, uh, natural causes, about uh, 22 deaths. Uh, vehicle accidents, uh, 11. Uh, drownings, 8. Head injuries, 5. Falling, falls, uh, 5. Suicide, 4. Blunt force trauma, 2. Alligator attack, 1. <laughs> <laughs> Alligator attack, Animatronic malfunctions, one. Burning car, one. Explosion, one. Pulmonary embolism, one. Unknown, one. So, 63 sounds like a lot, I will say. But, in the grand scheme of things, you're talking about a park that has several parks inside of it. Mm-hmm. Like, because even within Disney, the the... I don't know how you say that. In the Magic Kingdom, you have at least four or five, maybe six different worlds in those. Mm -hmm. And then you also have the Animal Kingdom. You also have multiple hotels and resorts. You also have uh, sporting complexes within that. You have different... um, You have a lot more things going on in that area and a lot more... Uh, the larger amount of people going through those areas. So the fact that since 71, I said, yeah, 71 to 2023, there's only been 63 deaths. That's not bad Mm -hmm. compared to the millions upon potentially billions of people that have gone through there. The fact is, is that this place, Action Park, is a very dangerous place, and I'm glad I didn't live anywhere near there. Otherwise... I may try to go on there myself if it was still open. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I'm doing all these comparisons so you at home understand is that the 80s was a much different time. (laughs) 
<laughs> and even into the, the 90s. But basing things off of this action park, it makes sense that if they decide to get into the coaster game, that there would be people who would be upset and would say, do not have this roller coaster. It's not safe. Luckily, they never did go get into the true roller coaster game. That's only because they had hillsides, and so they would just, you know, send people off of the hills. This definitely based on Action Park. I definitely recommend the documentary if you are of age, if you're allowed to hear bad words. There's lots of bad words in there because there's a lot of comedians that uh, talk about talking the documentary and former employees. So lots of good stuff. There's been a couple of movies based on that place as well. So interesting, interesting stuff going on here. Yep. And those are your deep dives, Brett. All right. Well, let's find out. You know anything about the Odyssey? Huh? Did I say you could talk? I didn't teach you that. My friend Mr. Matthews will lead the discussion. Do I have to draw you a picture? What did we learn this week? So, Tyler, what did you learn this week? I learned I'm really happy I'm a 90s baby. (laughs) 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 No, um... (laughs) Sorry, I just got really into the muck with the whole uh, action park situation and uh, (laughs) roller coasters and the uh, whole death stuff today. So, um, no, with this episode, um, you know, the thing I just keep coming back to is communication. Um, So much of this episode could have been resolved just from simple communication. And also, I think the real thing is that when you feel an emotion, don't let other people talk you out of that emotion. Like Corey was angry. And instead of him, instead of Eric, just accepting the fact that he messed up and he disrespected his brother, he gaslit him into basically being mad at himself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're upset with somebody, you're allowed to be upset with that person and it's okay. And don't make it you that you did something wrong when you didn't do something wrong. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brett? Well, I would like to remind the good looking people out there. Don't worry about the perceptions that other people hold of you, whether it be that you're boring or that you're a chicken or even whipped or giant. Yes. Or that you're lime jello. Find your value and your worth internally in who you were made to be. God designed you for a reason, for a purpose. You're made for who you are. Just like Corey finally seemed to find comfort in who he was in that moment where he was a fountain. Don't don't let other people tell you that you're someone you're not. Is this a good time for me to tell you I did that bit a lot as a kid? That you're a fountain? <laughs> mm-hmm. If I was in anywhere there's a pool or I was able to get enough water in my mouth, I would just like lean and be like, I'm a fountain. <laughs> hey guys, look at me. I'm a fountain. <laughs> I yep, did it That too. was a classic uh, bit that I stole <laughs> off of Corey Matthews. <laughs> I would have to say I did that too. <laughs> Well, Tyler. I'm right? No, you're exactly right. So am I done with my education? Can I go? What would you grade, Danger Boy? Oh, boy. 
know what. I need to double check something. Hold on. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just realizing now. I'm like, did I put that as one of my top 10? And am I going to give one of my top 10 a lower grade than I initially thought? (laughs) Oh, who am I kidding? It's an A-plus episode. What am I talking about? (laughs) Anything short of that is a lie, Tyler. This is... This is a classic episode of Boy Meets World. Uh, Feeny and Corey are just spectacular together. And it's amazing how this show sometimes is able to weave in and out of three stories and have them kind of intertwine just enough, you know, to all be happening around the same time. And, you know, when is the weekend? Who cares? All I know is that uh, this is a great episode and I love it. And it's, it's, Brett, it's one of those episodes where even though I know I watched it a couple weeks ago and I watched it last week and I watched a little bit of it today, I don't need to watch it to know what is going on. (laughs) All right. Well, for me, I'm giving danger boy a B. That's Um, fair. I I mean, I like it. I really do. I I like, I love the Corey and Mr. Feeney stuff. Um, I like how, uh, Alan and Amy resolve their their disagreement. I don't like how Alan and Amy got there. I, no. I don't like that we had to rely so heavily on episode got an episode for Corey and Eric to get where they got. Um, but I mean, on the whole, I mean, it's it's still a really solid, really solid twenty two minutes to enjoy. And you know what, the King, the King is really fun, and I wish we got more. Of this chubby. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's a hundred percent ninety. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably more of like a ninety-nine or ninety-eight type of A plus. Yeah, you know, but it's like, still an A plus for you. Yeah, I mean, it could it could have gone. It could have just been a regular A, but you know, I think it it earned its grade of. You know, it it made the curve. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> well, Tyler, I've got a dad joke curve for you. Breaker. <laughs> curve breaker. Curve breaker. Well, I've got a dad joke for you before we go. Hit me. What do you call a bunch of dolls standing in line at an amusement park? Oh. Dolls. A barbecue. <laughs> and with that, good looking people. We're going to say goodbye for this week. Be dangerous. You can follow us up and let us know if our grades are... uh, This is the first time in a few weeks we've been different on grades. We've been pretty in sync the last few episodes. But, you know, I think just we need to get back to that point of the episode is different for both of us. And I think Mm -hmm. that's okay. I think it's better when we're a little differing. (laughs) I think so, too. Yeah. You... Turner apologist. <laughs> you Feeny sympathizer. <laughs> anyway. That I am. <laughs> you like those sweater vests too much. Hey, let's throw a challenge out. We need All a right. five-star rating and a written review. That's so, right. After this episode, the first person that does it on Apple, we're sending a shirt to you. Sounds good to me. Your choice of design, and even though it's past the time where the sharks of John Adams High, I'll leave that design an option for you. Even though by the time this episode drops, that design will be off the market. We'll leave that as an option for the first person who leaves a five-star review on 
review and not just rating. Review and rating yeah. on Apple. Rate uh, and review. Apple Podcasts. Need it on Apple Podcasts. We'll be checking. So until then, you can leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on social at Dad's Meat World. You can send us uh, an email at dadsmeatworld at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So, Tyler, until next time, I'll see you good looking. For you good looking. You can find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. This will be great stuff for you to edit out. Yes, it will. Of course, we'll use it over my head. That's what you do, do as the editor. Do, 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 do. This be a great blooper. There is no Debbie. I miss Debbie. And then Elvis walks in. I'm fine, okay? Wrong one. Let's not push how fine I am. This game is getting totally out of hand. <laughs> Today, really? Four o'clock, really? Is that the one where we get saddled people, with all those terrible after-school life sapping people, 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 people. Please let it be that meeting. <laughs> what in the world is going I've got like two boards simultaneously appearing. How in the world did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. If you search up famous water fountains, some things that may come up would be... There's a place in uh, Vegas that I'm blanking of right now where... It's like the one that they always show in the brochures, but I'm liking it off the top of my head at the moment, but I just saw it in a video earlier today. That's the only reason why I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. I need to take the pup outside real quick. Okay.